Welcome to the Breaking Into Finance podcast. My name is Craig Thompson, and this is the open source field guide to help you understand everything you need to know about breaking into finance. Let's dive in. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the third episode of the Breaking Into Finance podcast. My name is Craig Thompson, and today we have a very special guest. We'll, we'll talk about an interview that I had with Alex Lawson, who's an associate at Sixth Street and former investment banker at Goldman Sachs. And in this interview, there are a couple things that I want you to focus on in terms of Alex talking about her background and how she leveraged the skills that she had to get to where she is today. And the three buckets of things I want everybody to focus on is first, how did she and how will you get the training and education you need to show well in interviews, assuming that whatever outreach you do to get those interviews is successful? Second, how do you effectively signal that learning? What summer or in-semester internships or projects can you pursue? What clubs can you join? What case competitions can you enter? Are there any certificate or non-degree programs or just courses you can take or programs you can apply to and potentially not even go to, but just getting admitted to the program might validate something about the work you've been doing and about your interest in the space? And then third, is how will you maximize the probability of successful outreach? What part of your school and alumni connections, family connections, affinity group networking that you can do, how can you leverage your background and your traits to generate interest and successful outreach? If you've done all this, you'll have the three pillars of recruiting nailed down, and you'll be ready for the job. Because if you've done these three things, you'll have the training and education to show well in this eventual interview. You'll have the effective signals that are communicated on your resume to help get you that interview once your resume is in front of the right people. And you will have done the right outreach or at least a large enough volume of low probability outreach that eventually you've gotten your resume in front of that person. And so you're working on this backwards. You're getting the training and education first. Then you're thinking about how you want to signal it. Then you're doing your outreach and hopefully doing it in a way that maximizes your probability of successful outreach so that once you've now made connection with whomever you've reached out to, you are ready to effectively signal what you've learned. It's on a resume that is ready to go. And then after reading that resume, when they immediately invite you in for an interview, you're prepped with the training and education. So You're starting back to front and then executing front to back. So without further ado, here is the first part of a very long conversation I was was able to have with Alex Lawson at 6th Street, and you'll hear a number of other excerpts of this conversation later on in the show. I'm I'm here today with Alex Lawson. Alex, thank you so much for joining us. I guess just to start, um, could you tell a little bit about your background and kind of like where you went to school, what you studied? Um, and then how we know each other. For sure. So uh, I went to Boston University. I'm from outside Philadelphia originally. Um, After BU, I went to work at Goldman. Um, I went to be an analyst there after doing two summer internships. Um, And I was in the investment grade debt capital market healthcare group. And we can talk about that. I then, once I made associate, transitioned internally to the healthcare classic group at Goldman. Um, 
And then after another two years, went to the buy side. Uh, I'm now currently um, a third year associate at Six Street Partners, which is a private equity credit royalty fund, um, kind of special situations across the board. We can do it. Great. And and where in that path did, did we meet? How do we know each other? Oh, yes. So my second internship, you were the analyst on the desk and you trained me up from just a little tadpole. <laughs> then when I got there full time, well, we spent another maybe five or six months on, on the desk together before you moved internally. Uh, and then I spent the next four years just bugging you for uh, for information. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Um, so w- one thing I want to talk about, like I feel like there's this myth of how hard it is to go from a non-target school to a place like Goldman. Um, and not only did you do that, but you did two internships. So I would love to hear, I guess, also like what you were majoring at BU and kind of like what, you know, because this is now, you know, what, over 10 years ago, about 10 years ago, um, what you remember at least of the process of getting that sophomore summer internship. For sure. I, I remember a lot about it. So I'll, I'll take you through uh, through the nitty gritty. Um, so when I went to BU, I had these delusions of grandeur that I wanted to be like a spy or something. And I, you know, I, I wanted to work in the CIA or the FBI. It just sounded really cool. Um, and so that was actually one the reason why I picked BU. I mean, one of the reasons, because they had a really strong international relations program. Uh, so I get to BU. I'm walking out of my first international relations class. I was like, what was that? I didn't like that at all. It's completely subjective. I just, it, it, this does not interest me the way that I thought it was going to. I'm not learning about how to kill people. Um, no, I didn't, I didn't want to do that. But uh, Yeah, you learned how to kill people later. <laughs> much later. Um, and so, yeah, I, I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I stuck with IR for freshman year and took some prereqs. And so that over the first summer that I was at BU, I took economics. That was my first exposure to economics. You know, I was at a public high school, so we didn't have an, like an economics program that was anything to write home about. Nobody really took it. Um, but I but I loved it. I was like, this is common sense and formulas. This is what I want to do, but I don't actually know what I want to do. What, like, what does it mean? What do you do with this? You could go be an economist, which when I asked around, I understood it to basically be, well, you can be a professor, you can go work for the Fed, or you can try to project global uh, supply and demand for FedEx or something like that. Um, None of which, by the way, was was screaming to me because I knew I was going to come out of BU with $200,000 of student loans, and I wanted to get rid of that. So I asked around, what can I do with an economics degree to make some money? Um, Everybody that I spoke with kind of pointed to investment banking, which I had no idea what it was at the time at all. Um, But I had heard of Goldman Sachs. And so this is fall of my sophomore year. I was in the the College of Arts and Sciences, uh, but the business school at BU, they had Goldman come um, and give a presentation to perspective, uh, you know, interns that wanted to hear more about the firm, apply for an internship. But this was the, uh, it wasn't even operations, which is where I ended up doing my first internship. This was in services. So services at Goldman is actually responsible for like purchasing the real estate 
where our, our buildings are or uh, ESG initiatives focusing on the E, right? Making uh, our processes more environmentally friendly, reducing our carbon footprint. Nothing to do with finance pretty much whatsoever. But at that event, which I attended, I had to borrow uh, a skirt and a blouse from my roommate because I had absolutely nothing business-like to wear. Um, at that session, they gave out a code to enter into the online Goldman portal, which allowed you to submit um, your application for an internship that would be streamlined, right? So, I mean, anybody can submit online, but Goldman gets tens of thousands of internship applications a year. So how are you gonna- I, I looked this up, by the way, it's a quarter million. A quarter million. Well, yeah. there we go. Yeah. So the code, I think it was probably a different <laughs> So, I mean, even though it was in a non-target school, they still came, but this was, right, mind you, a division that I ended up not even being close to at all. So I got the code. Once you get on the on the portal, it says you can apply to three divisions. And I'm thinking, I'm like, all right. I, I kind of asked around, talked to people. Again, still don't know what investment banking is, but I knew that it was the best division. And that the other two divisions where, you know, you can make some money were sale and trading, we can argue if that's a right call at this point in time, but that's another discussion. Um, and then asset management. And then thinking through who, you know, which, which divisions to apply to, I realize I, if I apply to these top divisions, who am I going to be competing against, right? It's going to be the top dogs, you know, the, it, it's going to be with the CEO's kids, it's going to be with people from target schools, it's going to be with the perfect SAT candidate, it's going to be who, who you think that you're afraid of, you know, wh when you're going for these internships. And so I like in taking stock of myself, I'm a I'm a freshman or a sophomore at this point, um, you know, don't have any finance experience, just learning about economics. And so my strategy was that for my sophomore summer, instead of applying to any of those three big uh, revenue, you know, high revenue generating divisions, I applied to the services division, operations, and then finance, I believe, which is kind of middle office, uh, middle office functions. Services, I would say is back office, but operations and finance are middle office, which means that you're not client facing, but you're facing the people who are, as opposed to facing only in other internal people who are working on only internal items. Yep. And so this is like, as folks are trying to navigate all of this, like alphabet soup of like all these divisions at these large global financial institutions. Yeah. So like the front office or like revenue generating divisions are tend to be like very highly sought after because if you're close to where the money gets made, on average, you're probably more likely to get a higher cut of that. Um, and then, yeah, so there are then divisions that support folks pursuing revenue. And then, yeah, there's like, it, and everybody kind of is to some extent, but then the further removed from that, um, I guess like one evaluation is it's perhaps less desirable as defined by salary expectations of those jobs as you move up, plus salary expectations of likely immediate exit opportunities that you could get coming out of those. Is that, is that fair to say? Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, I get a couple, I, I, so I got interviews for services and for operations at the services, uh, presentation, you know, where, where these guys came to 
the school, they said, you know, you don't really need to have any background here. You know, we're, we're just looking for strong, capable people. So I took that literally and did zero research on what this would mean at all. And I get on the phone for the interview and I bomb. I mean, the, the, in the first question he asked me was, what do you think this role is going to be? And I literally said, I've got no idea. You said we didn't need to know. I mean, it was it was just the classic, you know, deer in headlights. This is clearly your first time doing anything like that. And it, it, I, I, I'm not going to say that I saved it somehow and it all turned around. No, it just failed. And they were like, thank you. No, thank you. For the operations interview, I, I learned my lesson. And this was actually a couple months later. Um, and I had a phone interview that went well. And then they invited me to come down to the New Jersey office, which is right across from the New York office, just, you know, right across the river. Um, and, and do a super day because even for middle office divisions at Goldman, you still have to do a super day. Let's define super day for people. Like what, what, is, what does that mean to you? What is the time horizon? How much time to prepare do you have? Well, I don't want to, I don't want to mix it up with banking super days. Cause I never actually did a banking super day. And my understanding, I, I participated in virtual ones from the hiring side and it was very much like, okay, you know, candidates will come and basically just get passed around and then everybody makes a decision. You kind of are supposed to find out on that day. I think that that's kind of the point of a super day is that you eliminate as you go throughout the day. I'll, yeah. I'll like and, and how many interviews do you, you know, would you imagine needing to get through on a super day to get to the offer at the end of the day? It, it depends on, like, I think it, within investment banking, I mean, it was like eight to 10 for yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, mine on the operations side, I think it was actually only three. And they had made the decision during my first one to take me, which, but I didn't know that until, you know, the end of the day. Yeah. Um, uh, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. And so when these super days, when the super day invitation, if you're someone who's going to participate in one or you get invited to interview for one, it's a full day. If you're lucky, you might have two weeks notice, but yeah, in, in my case, I think I had like three days notice. Um, and so it's short notice, full day in the pre COVID times you went in person, like they'd, they'd fly you or, or bring you, you know, on site. Um, I don't know what mix of virtual or in person it is now actually, but yeah. it's, it's intense. And so as you're thinking about preparing for these, if you have the super day invitation and you're starting to prepare now, it's too late. Um, in a lot of ways, like you could do your best, you can cram, but the time to start preparing for these interviews is before you have them. For sure. So in that interview, I was very prepared to talk about operations, which by the way, is really just making processes more efficient internally and ensuring that stuff that gets from point A to point B actually gets there. And Can you give me an example of like what an operations yeah. item would be? And my internship ended up being in, in trade management. So like an example is for the interest rate swap traders, which is who I supported, you know, they would make a trade, the trade would flow downstream. And then let's say there's a break in the trade, right? So like there is a miscommunication in the amount versus what's actually received or uh, the timing of the trade. And so it's us to get with, you know, on the phone with the middle office division from the counterparty and, and fix it. Great. Sorry. So, so we're back, we're, we're, we're in the super day, we're in the interview. Um, and this yeah. is the group you're interviewing with. And 
So, so for that super day, you said you prepared, like, what are, what are some of the types of things you did to prepare for an interview like that? Cause I imagine learning about that job is not the easiest thing to do. No, it was next to impossible. And, uh, you know, I was really anxious about, okay, I, I need to be able to explain what these people do because that was my fault on the last one. And operations is one of the most amorphous, you know, kind of catch all categories that I, you know, I would say it, within the services, like pieces at Goldman. Um, and so I went in and they, you know, the, the question kind of did came up, come up, uh, you know, what do you think about this role? And I was like, you know, I, I understand that operations exists to make processes more efficient and ensure that things progress smoothly. Also working on innovation, right. To make them faster in the, in the future. Um, that was enough for them, I think. How, how, did, how did you get that far? Like, how did you learn? Like, were, were you like Googling it or with like coursework or? Ton of Googling. And then I asked around. So I, uh, my godfather is actually, and, and this is a connection, but this, it's important to note that this connection only ever existed for me in the context of advice. It never yep. actually did anything for me in terms of, of getting there. Right. So my godfather yep. works for JP Morgan, but in their tax division. So he's, uh, works in in tax for the investment banking clients. He's he's very high up now, a managing director. Um, but he, you know, I, I asked him, "What does operations do for you guys?" And even he had to ask around a little bit. Um, and so we kind of got to the place where, the, you know, it, it's about efficiency, um, which, right? That's that's a one liner. I didn't have very much detail. Um, and and that's where I went in the interview and I kind of asked too. I said, "You yeah. know, can you tell me some more?" And I think it's okay to do that. Yeah. You know, show that you've you've expended the effort to do the research you can do on your own and then ask them to fill in the blanks. Yep. And and by the way, I th I think that is probably a pretty common theme, which is when you're going into an interview, depending on what you're interviewing for, there might be a wide variety of information about that thing that exists in the world. And if it is this very arcane, secret, nobody really talks about it thing, or this like deep, hard plumbing problem, you have a little bit more leeway to know a little bit less about it. Um, and it's probably like, you know, with, with banking interviews or whatever, where it's like a much more sought after field, they can ask very specific questions and expect you to know it. So it goes both ways where the, the harder it is to research, the more impressive whatever you can find is. Um, and then the more availability of content that exists in the world, the higher the expectations are. For sure. Um, Definitely agree. Oh, well, so let's, let's, let's focus on the super day because this is about to be a pretty big moment in my career that I didn't know was going to be a big moment at the time. And looking back, it's, it's funny. Um, so, you know, I, I'm in a room, let's say with 30 other people, I get called first. I'm the first interview of the day. It's 8 a.m. And I go into the room and it, it's me and, and two, two guys, they both work in operations, but in different parts of operations, the interview goes well, it's pretty short. <clears throat> they ask me what I'm interested in. They ask me, you know, what I like to do for fun. They ask me why economics. I don't remember much other than that, but it was very, um, it was very fit based. Whatever I said in that interview, and I know that's not really helpful, uh, impress them. And, and to be honest, like I really just was myself. 
um, but impressed them to the point that they both said, I want her. And they flipped a coin for me. This coin toss was so essential to my forward development. And I'll tell you why. Because if the gentleman who lost the coin toss had won, I would have ended up in the Jersey City office, not supporting the traders. It would have been a, a further back, like, you know, if you think about the front to back office, it was a further back office role. Um, I would not have had the exposure to financial instruments or traders or other front office professionals. Um, but the guy who won the coin toss, right, he's in trade management operations and, and sits in the New York office. So that's where I went. Um, wow. <laughs> I got the internship. I went there full time or I went there uh, for that sophomore summer, spent the first half of the summer learning everything I could about how to do that internship well, which was really just to help the folks on my team with whatever odd end project they were going on helping, you know, rectify trades. There was some of that, but then a lot of, hey, you know, we've had this kind of initiative on the back shelf that we've been wanting to get to and and now you're here and we can give it to you that's i feel a lot of um a lot of internships within investment banks outside of investment banking or sales and trading i feel are are commonly like that so did very well during that summer um but as we're coming up at the end of the summer i'm like all right well it's now time to execute on the forward so i need to figure out what's going to happen for next summer. And for next summer, I want to be in one of those revenue generating divisions because over the course of the summer, I learned what investment banking was uh, just by asking, asking around. And I thought it would be easy to get to know people in that division and network. It was not. It really wasn't. So, so tell me about that. Tell me about what you tried doing in ways that you imagined you'd be able to meet these folks and then how that actually went. For sure. So at Goldman, um, there are some, there, there are plenty of intern events throughout the summer. Um, and some of those were, I mean, so, some were just the operations interns, but then some were broader. And so I expected at one of those broader internship events, you know, to be able to meet someone in the investment bank division, uh, create a relationship with them such that I could say, hey, I actually want to do this next summer. Could you put me in touch with the business unit manager, which we call the bum at Goldman? They're the staffer. They're kind of like the internal HR, but they change every year. They're really an investment professional. Um, and, I, and then I thought that I would get an interview and that's the way it's going to happen. My experience with that was that those kids were grinding so hard for those internships. A, they didn't have time to think about me, but B, they didn't care. They were like, all right, so here's, you know, someone else who wants to get into IB because frankly, almost everyone did. Um, you know, there, I wasn't the only one who had the idea of go into take an internship at a, you know, a, a, not a front office and then try to move. My differentiator was that I was a sophomore um, and what gave me the flexibility to have that second summer. Um, so clock is running down on this summer. Goldman does give you an opportunity to apply if you're a sophomore intern for a junior internship and you can apply to one other division 
besides the one you're already in. I, I'm sure this has changed as everything changes over time, but when I was going through it, that's the way it was. And so I was debating with a friend whether or not to apply to investment banking, which is what I really wanted, or asset management, which I thought I had a better shot at getting. Um, I didn't really have connection. I hadn't made meaningful connections on either, um, but I figured, hey, let, let's just go for it. Um, I was, I had then made the decision, okay, I'm going to apply to uh, to asset management. They had set me up for a couple interviews the week after my internship. Which is to say that having been a sophomore intern at the firm definitely was like, you know, maybe this like BU code was like a little bit of an in, but like maybe not, we don't totally know. But like having done a sophomore internship at the firm unequivocally changed your probability of at least getting an interview in one of these other divisions. Nothing, nothing would have been possible if I had. Yeah. That, that was really the crux of it. Um, and so I'm all set to, you know, to interview with asset management and then it's the last week of my internship. And while you're at Goldman in the summers, you, as an intern, they require you to go to one, uh, affinity network event. And the event that I went to was they had Abby Wambach, the, you know, the superstar soccer player <clears throat> come in, come and speak. Um, and a woman named Susie Sure was the moderator. And I went to this event. Susie uh, is a managing director and partner within the investment banking division, but on the financing side. But I'm at this event. And I mean, I was excited to see Abby Wambach. Don't get me wrong. But at the end of it, I couldn't have cared less about Abby Wambach. I was focused on Susie. I was like, who is that woman? She's unbelievable. Wherever she is, that's where I need to be. I reached out. Then uh, I didn't know she was a partner at the time, which, you know, I probably wouldn't have reached out if I, if I had known. Um, but I reached out following that. Uh, and I said, hey, you know, I really, really enjoyed um, the conversation. Um, you know, I'm a bisexual woman. I've been dating a girl for four years. You know, I'd love to hear about. And, and, and you know, this, this focus, this discussion with Abby Wambach focused on her being an LGBTQ person in society and Susie is LGBTQ within Goldman. So I reached out and I said, hey, you know, I would just love to hear about like kind of more about your experience here. It seems like you've had a fantastic career. And she responded and gave me 15 minutes. And this was on the second to last day of my internship. And I walk into her office and I had those 15 minutes and we talked about nothing technical, nothing work related. Um, and then she put me in a room and it was three hours of being interviewed by managing directors associates, vice principals on the investment grade capital markets team, which was one of the teams under her purview. Um, and at the end, she came in and she goes, all right, you want to come work for us next summer? And that's how that's everything awesome. changed. And, yeah. that's how, and, and changed that fast. And I, yeah. and I told I told who would be my future boss at the time, Mark Banzer, I, I said, as he's walking out, I'm lucky I wore a suit today. And he goes, you don't wear a suit every day in operations? I said, no. <laughs> Um, I, I want to talk a little bit about, so I, and, and as, as you know, I, I, I know Sissy as well. Um, she is a very intimidating person to just introduce yourself to. I, I want to hear a little bit about your 
decision process to, cause this, this is not a cold email outreach. This is a scenario where you're in the same building, you're in the same room, she's speaking. What about your approach to her? Like how, how, how did that kind of go down? Okay, so you know, we're in the same room, same building, but um, you know, it, it still was a cold outreach in the sense that like, I was no one to her. And like, I wasn't gonna be anyone to her, you know, I'm an, like, there are thousands of interns at, at running around Goldman that summer, you know, for her to spend her time with one uh, is significant. And I, and I knew Yeah, that. or any interns, right? <laughs> Absolutely. And I mean, I, I think that I understood the brevity of it as I became more senior there and was like, wow, actually, like, I don't know that I would have done it had I known how kind of crazy it was, but at this point, what was going through my head was, this is Hail Mary time. If, I, I'm, let's measure the risk reward. The risk here, she doesn't answer. That's really the biggest down case scenario. Or she responds, said, don't, don't have time, nothing. The reward here is exactly what I got. I got the best case scenario. And so for me, it just really came down to this is something that I want. I already have the asset management interview lined up. So if if, you know, the risk that the downside happens and I don't hear back or it doesn't come to fruition, then I've already got what I'm planning on. Yep. Um, and and you had two concentric circles of commonality with her, too, which is you were already a Goldman intern. So you already for this brief 10 week period shared an employer yes. with her and you shared an affinity group. Yes, yes. And so and you good. led with both of those things. This isn't just like, let me email a partner and like see if they respond because I'm an intern. Um, no, you found you found something specific that you had in common that basically changed the probability of her responding from 0.0, .0 to you know any number greater than that, which is good yeah. enough, you know, for you. Absolutely, and and I, I not it was something you know I I again I I came forward and it's like, you know, I'd like to hear about your experience as a lesbian, you know, in, in this industry, right? Like, you know, as, as someone who's coming in, dating a girl, like something that I thought about, you know, it was like something that I hadn't really been open with about with my group during that internship. But, um, you know, I, I was just really excited after hearing her speak. And I mean, she was interviewing someone else. I yeah. mean, granted, she did probably speak for half of it, but I mean, that, that's Susie. I was, but she's got great things to say. And so, when I was reaching out to her, it was on that topic, which I knew was something she really cared about. Yeah, which which is the other, I think, really important thing here is you didn't reach out and say, hey, can I have a job? You reached out and said, hey, we have these common affinities. Can I get your advice? Yes, yes. Um, which is which is a theme that we we talk a lot about is basically like ways of maximizing outreach and ways of approaching conversations in a way that maximizes probability of getting the outcome you want, which is, you know, you want this division, you want the job, um, whatever, but um, there is a dance that happens that goes into that. Absolutely. And I think, I think kind of like the punchline to that point, Craig, is like, people will hire you if they like you. What you have to do is you have to make people like you. You have to make people want to be around you and make them interested in you. And so how do you do that? The way that I do that is I find commonalities that circle back to things that they're interested in. So really, those 15 minutes I spent in Susie's office, I don't think I got a word in, but I asked her about things that she really liked to talk about. And so she associated those good feelings with me. 
it's a, it's, you know, it's, it's all psychology. It's a hack. <laughs> yeah. Alex, one last question before you go. If you could give your 20 year old self a piece of advice, um, piece of professional advice about, you know, knowing everything, you know, now, is there anything you do differently? Is it just words of encouragement to basically like, you know, don't be afraid to swing for the fences? I would definitely say that though. I think I swung for the fences, but by mistake, um, I think, I think that I would say, and you know, this is advice that I'm going to give my 20 year old self. And I know my 20 year old self would not take it. Um, but is everything seems so consequential at the time, everything. I mean, and I mean, like in the operations internship, like every presentation I gave on, you know, whatever project I was working on for them that week, you know, I, I would really hem and haw over the details and it, and it's, I mean, you have to be a good worker and a hard worker and have attention to detail to succeed in these roles. But I I think I did so to the detriment of, of my life to some extent, right? Like these are years where, you know, I was kind of like, all right, well, as soon as I push through to this thing, th then I can start living. But there's always something next to push through. There's like, this is a ladder to climb. And when you're starting at college, man, there's a lot of room to grow. So just make sure you're living as you're doing it. Awesome. Again, my 20 year old self would be like, yeah, that's great. That's not going to get me a job. Yeah. Okay. That's thanks. something a rich person would tell me. Exactly. Exactly. It's very easy to say in hindsight, but I, I, I would still tell myself myself to do it. Alex, thank you so much. All right. That does it for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. And remember to check out our website, breakingintofinancepodcast.com, where you can submit questions, join our Substack to stay up to date on new content releases, and much, much more. We'll see you next time.